This morning we're going to continue on in our series that we began in the new year. You may recall in the very first Sunday we spoke about, in essence, the difference between just being a believer in Jesus Christ and actually being a disciple, being someone in whom Jesus replicates his life and ministry. And the week before last, as we started this particular topic, we mentioned how uh, we're going to be talking about a number of different subjects that really provide a framework for what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ and how we can be that kind of person in whom, again, Jesus replicates his life. But the foundation to that framework we talked about was repentance. And that you may recall that as we began to look at repentance, we talked about the difference between what the Bible calls repentance that leads to life, that is, repentance that takes place when I am reborn, but also that ongoing repenting by which my life is being reshaped. The Bible calls that repentance unto salvation. It means the repentance that takes place in my life as a believer, as a follower of Jesus Christ, a person in whom the Holy Spirit is doing a work. And in doing that, uh, he is able to shape my life into what Jesus knows that I can be. We also mentioned the fact that repentance, though it involves our emotions, repentance is so much more than just an emotion. Repentance is actually a response. It's a response when God shows me something and I say, I'm sorry, Lord. I didn't see that before. But then I actually do something about it. Well, today I want to focus on John's words. We're in the same passage of Luke chapter 3. And John says in verse 9, Even now God's axe of judgment is poised to chop down your barren tree right down to its roots. And every tree that does not produce good fruit will be leveled and thrown into the fire. We're going to look more on that next week. But I want to look at the first part of that verse. Even now, God's acts of judgment, acts of judgment is poised to chop down your barren tree right down to its roots. Now, as drastic as that might sound, the actual cutting down of a tree, I want us to understand that God does not want to destroy you. What God wants to do is destroy those things that are destroying you. He wants to address and remove those things from your life that are actually choking out the dream that God had for you when he made you. I heard somebody say, and I think it's very well put, that God is a giver, and he only takes from you that which is taken from you. Let me say that again. God is a giver, and he only takes from you those things that are taken from you. And that's why as we look in the Word of God, we see that, that the way he deals with sin seems to be so drastic. It's because sin is so serious. When we really realize what sin robs us of, even the smallest of things, how they rob us of God's highest purposes for our lives. A number of years ago, uh, Vanessa and I lived in a neighborhood whereby we, we knew the next door neighbor, got along with him really well. But one evening we got home, and to our surprise, we saw the clothesline in our backyard actually lying on the ground. Well, we knew the person well enough to ask what had happened, and then he said, well, I just decided that I was going to cut down the trees. There were about a half dozen old pine trees, and their needles were shedding uh, in the cold time of the year, and all the needles were getting into the roof, and so understandably he wanted to do that. But there were about six trees along the property line, quite large, quite mature. But what was unusual was the fact that he actually cut them off at about six feet high. So the clothesline that was a bit, a bit higher was now lying on the ground, but now we had these six tree stumps about six feet high uh, on that property boundary that actually looked, looked quite comical. But when I asked him exactly why he did that, he said, well, very simply, it was just too much work to cut the tree all the way down 
and certainly too much root to, uh, work to actually dig up those roots. Well, John said, even now, God's axe is poised to chop down your barren tree right down to its roots. You see, what repentance has to do essentially, it has to do with the Holy Spirit revealing and digging up those things in our lives right down to the root system, throwing away those things that really are like a feeder system into our lives, that bring things into our lives, habits, belief systems, whatever it may be, that simply aren't good for us. And of course, according to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, we know that that acts is the Word of God. You may recall that scripture that uh, the Bible says in Hebrews 4, that the Word of God is alive and it is active. In other words, the Word of God is not just a philosophy, it's not just something we hear and agree with and say, that's an interesting concept. No, the Word of God is actually alive and it is active in your life, at least the Lord wants it to be. He goes on to say, it is sharper than a two-edged sword cutting deep into our innermost thoughts and desires. So first of all, we need to remind ourselves that the Bible is not just a book. It's not just words on paper. The Bible is actually God's Word or the Word of God that He is speaking to you. Let me say that again. The Bible, when you read the Scriptures, it is actually God speaking to you. The second thing we see is that the Word of God, when God speaks a word to you and you agree with that word, you don't just dismiss it, you don't ignore it, you say, yes, Lord, I hear you, that word is for me, and you agree with him and begin to act on it, that word becomes a two-edged sword that actually does miraculous things in your life and in your circumstances. You see, our inner life is often a mixture of, of thoughts and, and motivations. Jeremiah says our heart can be so deceitful, we don't even know a lot of the times what's really going on in there. And, and, and those, those thoughts and those motivations are partly spiritual. You know, they're partly the works of God or the things we want to do as believers, but they're also partly the flesh. And so it really takes a, a supernatural discerner or what you might call a supernatural mediator to sort between those thoughts and motivations and actions and ambitions that are either of the spirit and are good and bring life or of the flesh are carnal and bring death or bring just erosion into our lives. And we may think that we're actually living out of completely spiritual motives, but what God's Word does is He will show us where there is faith, where there is truth, but also where there is sin, where there is unbelief, where there are things that keep tripping us up and robbing us of actually getting traction in our life and in the things God has for us. You see, we know when God is speaking to us. We know that. If we walk for the Lord for any period of time, we know. And in fact, sometimes you may not even be spending a lot of time with the Lord in private in the Word of God or whatever, and yet the Holy Spirit will still speak to you. He will still light something upon your heart, in your mind, and you will know that He's getting your attention on something. Now, sometimes when the Lord speaks to us, He, he speaks with a forcefulness that almost feels like He's just lopping the whole thing off all at once. And sometimes the Lord has to do that. Sometimes uh, circumstances come our way, things happen, difficult things, and it's because the Lord has to allow sometimes something drastic to happen because He needs to get our attention or He needs to get rid of that thing that we have knowingly been ignoring for a long time and it's been growing and getting out of control. And so the Lord sometimes has to be severe. But I've found that most times what the Lord does 
is he cuts away things in our lives with, with a surgeon's precision. He, he uses a scalpel. He uses like, a, like pruning shears. He uses the analogy of, of pruning the vine. And the reason is, is to, to cut away those things that are draining life from us, that are tying us up in other things or, or wrong attitudes, whatever it may be, because he wants to make room for new growth in our life. But either way, it is God's Word that does the cutting. We know this because Luke writes in verse 2, he says, the Word of God came to John. And then again in verse 9, he says, even now, God's axe is poised to chop down your barren tree right down to the roots. You see, whenever God speaks to you, just as he speaks to me, whenever he says to me, Paul, I, I want to draw your attention to this. I want you to give attention to this particular thing. Whenever that happens, what is actually happening is, is his axe, his sword, is actually being laid to the root of something in my life that God knows is not worthy for my life. It's something that really is only fit for the garbage. It's only fit to be rooted up, dried out, and then cast into the fire. And the Lord doesn't want it to have a place in my life. You see, all of us have things in our lives that we need to, that we need to think about. And, and part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit is that He will come to you with God's Word. And He will take that Word, whether it's from a Scripture, whether it's from a message or just in the quietness of your own heart, in the car, walking down the street, whatever, as he's speaking to you, he will take that word and he will stick that word to your heart. It's kind of like today, I'm mean, probably speaking to hundreds of people. And though I'm speaking maybe in general terms in, much, in, in some ways, the Holy Spirit will take something, even sometimes something I don't expect he could use, but he will take that and he will say, this is for you. And he will stick that to your heart, and you will know that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. In fact, sometimes he'll drop something into your heart that maybe wasn't even the gist of what was being spoken, but the Holy Spirit is ministering that word to you, and he will drive that word to your heart and say, hey, this is what it means to you. But what I want us to understand is that repentance always has to do with sin. It always relates to God's work in our life, to identify, to uproot, to destroy sin in our life, to make room for new growth. And all the things that the Lord has promised us and all the things that we know that our heart longs for, our spirit longs for. Now, I'm not going to give us a list today of what is sin and what is not sin. None of us are really qualified to, to create this perfect list of what is and what isn't. In fact, it's oftentimes when we do that, it leads to legalism. So I'm not interested so much in dealing today with, well, what is sin for you or me or what is not sin? But I want to talk about what the Bible says about sin. And if you're taking notes today, there's, there's four examples that you, that you may want to jot down. The first one is found in Romans chapter 3, verse 23. Uh, we all probably know it pretty well. The Apostle Paul writes that everyone has sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. Everyone has sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. Now, I've mentioned this before as recently as Christmas Eve, you may recall. But I talked about the fact that when the Bible speaks of sin, it actually uses a word that describes an archer taking an arrow in a bow, shooting at a target, but actually missing his mark. That's what the word sin means. It means to miss the mark. And I believe what God is saying is that as hard as we may try to be good, as sincere as we may be in trying to be godly, 
that we only miss the mark when we try to do it ourselves. Not only do we miss the mark, we actually end up shooting at targets that God never intended for us. That's why a lot of things like idolatry creep into our lives because we erect these targets that we think are good enough to shoot for, aspire for, and God might say that it has nothing to do with me. You have fabricated a religion or you've fabricated an image of me of what you think I may want of you because you want to do that rather than actually spending time with me and hearing my voice and allowing my word and my spirit to shape your life in that relational way. And so the issue is not that I can never please God. I want to be very clear on that because we can please God by the work of God in our heart through salvation, sanctification, through the Word of God, the Spirit, the fullness of the Spirit. We can live lives that are pleasing to God. So the issue is not that I can never please God. The issue is that just as I, if I take a bow and arrow and I put a target 50 meters away, I'm never going to hit that target unless I actually train to hit that target. In the same way, I'm never going to experience the many advantages of godliness. I'm never going to experience the abundant life that Jesus talks about in his word if it left to myself. I must allow the Holy Spirit to train me. You see, there again is the distinction. I can profess to be a believer. I can be profess to be somebody who knows the stories, has the gist of an understanding of what salvation is about. But you see, if my life is not more than just being reborn, if my life is not being reshaped, if I'm not a disciple of Jesus Christ who is allowing the Word of God to shape my life, then the problem is I'm not being trained. I'm not being trained. I'm just a sincere believer trying to do the right thing, but I'm always falling short of God's standard. And God's standard is not just some arbitrary line where he says, I want you to be good, this good. His standard has to do with the essence of, of, of what he has for me. His standards have to do with the blessings that he wants me to experience, the intimacy he wants me to know. His standard has to do with the high calling that he has upon my life. All of those things are glorious. All of those things are life-begetting, and they bring joy to our heart. So in order for those things to happen, I need to allow the Holy Spirit to train me. And so whatever our struggle may be, I find oftentimes we're tempted to believe, you know, as hard as I try, I just can't change. As hard as I try, I just can't do it. As hard as I try, I just can't stop. But we know God promises in His Word. He says, if anyone belongs to Christ, he's not the same anymore. He's not the same anymore. A new life has begun. And there are multiplied millions of people around the world today, hundreds of millions of people down through the ages who have found freedom from what would have destroyed them for one simple reason. They have found this new life in Jesus Christ. And they actually have a relationship where they are walking with the Lord, walking in His Word, being shaped by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are also areas in our lives where deliverance doesn't come automatically. It doesn't come, I should say, immediately. But what I have found in my walk with the Lord is that although sometimes growth may seem to be slow, I need to understand I can grow. Let me say that again. Sometimes growth may be slow, but I can grow. But I've got to make sure that I don't allow this unrepentant mindset to get a hold of my life where all I say is, I just can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. Because God says you can. 
God says, I have been brought to new life in Jesus Christ. And he says, if you will abide in Jesus, if you will have a relationship with him, spend time with him, commune with him, journal, uh, record what he's saying to you, do the things he's shown you to do, then he says his life will flow to you and he will give you the grace and the strength that you need. But for that to happen, you've got to make a simple choice. You have to decide whether you're going to take the easier route and just kind of cut the tree off at the six-foot mark or whether you're going to allow the ax to be laid to the root so that the entire issue is dealt with and is removed from your life. You see, you can try to make a six-foot stump look respectable. You can paint it. You can hang flowers on it. You might even carve it into a, an attractive uh, totem pole. But it's always going to be an eyesore to you because you know that Jesus had told you that this thing needs to go. The second scripture is found in Romans chapter 14, again, verse 23. Paul writes, anyone who believes that something he wants to do is wrong shouldn't do it. He sins if he does. He sins if he does. Now, we've all been there. And it usually involves something that we're doing or thinking or considering that we're not really that comfortable with at first. But if we keep thinking on it, if we keep ignoring the voice of the Lord, ignoring what we know to be true in His Word, it's not long before we begin to justify that. We begin to excuse ourselves because we begin to believe that, well, in this particular situation, well, there's just some things you have to do when you live in the real world. And so we just go on and we do the thing against what we know the Lord is saying to us. Those kind of things I find are also the things that we don't tend to bring to the Lord in prayer, right? And we don't bring to the Lord in prayer because we know He'll say what we know to be true. And so we maybe just don't go to Him, or we kind of turn away from Him and, and pursue what it is we want to do. And so what happens? We get into one situation after another. We get into one bad relationship after another. We get into one financial mess after another, not because the Lord doesn't care about us, but because we won't allow the Lord to cut to the root and remove the things that really are confusing our lives or trashing our lives. They may say, oh, Paul, am I going to go to hell for doing those things? No. But you see, what happens is, is we allow hell into our life when the Lord wants to cut those things away from our life so we can actually begin to experience a little bit of heaven on earth. We can begin to experience what Jesus prayed, that your kingdom would come, and let it be done here on earth through my life as it is in heaven. That can happen when we give attention to those things that the Lord says you shouldn't do that. If you know something is wrong, don't do it. It is sin if you do, Paul said. A third example of sin is found in James 4. James says in chapter 4, verse 17, remember too, he's speaking now of the converse, Remember, too, that knowing what you ought to do and then not doing it is also sin. You see, sin is not just doing wrong. Sin is also the neglect of doing what you know is right. The sin of omission, not listening when the Lord says you should do that. I mean, how many times has the Lord spoken to you about a certain thing? Or how many times have you thought to yourself, maybe you don't recognize it's the voice of the Holy Spirit to you, and you thought, you thought to yourself something like, man, I really shouldn't do this. Yeah, I, 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 ought, I, ought to, you know, I ought to do this. 
I really should do this. What that's called is a moral imperative. I ought to. I ought to do this. James says when the Holy Spirit speaks to you and says you ought to do this, if you don't do it, it is sin. Take something as simple as, man, I, I, ought, to, I ought to eat healthier. I ought to spend more time with my kids. I ought to treat my spouse better. I ought to stop gossiping. I ought to stop lying. I ought to stop complaining. I ought to actually put an honest day's work in at the office. I ought to stop smoking. I ought to stop some other bad habit. James says it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. You see, repentance is the opposite. Repentance is actually doing what the Lord says you ought to do. So again, repentance doesn't have to be an emotional thing. Repentance is not this self-flatulating, you know, kind of like in the old days, you know, just uh, uh, hurting ourselves. That's not what it is. You might say, well, pastor, will you lose your salvation because you slack off work? Will you lose your salvation because you eat the wrong things or because you smoke or you neglect your family? And of course, the answer is no. You won't lose your salvation for those things. But what will happen and what does happen is we get requests all the time to, to pray for a family that's fallen apart, to pray for a person who's had a heart attack, to pray for a person who's been diagnosed with lung cancer, to pray for a person who got let go from their workplace. And I can promise you that some of those situations would never have happened if that person had listened to the voice of the Holy Spirit who said two years ago, five years ago, ten years ago, you ought to give attention to this now. I want you to deal with this now. But we ignore it. We just go on doing our own thing. We ignore the voice of the Lord, and there comes a time that we actually pay the consequence for our disobedience or our sin. Now, we know that God is loving, but don't expect the Lord just to sweep in and answer your desperation prayers when he's been telling you all along what you ought to do, and you just ignore him. You see, he's been trying to save you. He's been trying to spare you what he, know, that he knows is coming because he loves you. And you need to learn to listen when the Lord speaks and say, yes, Lord, I'm going to give attention to that. You know, it might sound insensitive to some people, but I really believe God would rather see you enjoying life. He'd rather see you growing in the life and the plan that he has for your life rather than seeing you messed up, rather than seeing you maybe even die 5 or 10 or 15 years prematurely, something he never intended. But it's happened because you wouldn't do what you ought to have done when he told you to do it. You see, healing... And deliverance don't always happen overnight. But they begin when you repent of sin and you start doing what you ought to do. I'm not saying this is a doctrine, and again, I don't mean to be insensitive, but I've, I've wondered sometimes when we pray for folks, and it's not to add condemnation for unanswered prayer, but if sometimes the reason we don't see prayer answered for certain things is because we don't know behind the scenes all that's happened, all the, you know, the, the ingredients that are there, uh, and maybe what we're seeing is really a manifestation of just years and years of willful disobedience on the part of believers. And the Lord says, this is the consequence of the, of, of the disobedience. God is sovereign. God is gracious. But friends, we need to understand how serious sin is. 
We need to understand that obedience to the Lord who loves us and has our best in mind, we should not view that as an optional thing because there are consequences to ignoring that love and that grace and that work of the Holy Spirit in our life that comes through repentance but brings freedom and healing and health and joy and relationships and fulfillment in every part of our life. Well, the final example of sin in God's Word has to do with Jesus hanging on a cross between two criminals and a crowd of people who were, were mocking him. In Luke 23, we read that Jesus lifts his voice to God and he says, Father, forgive these people. They don't know what they're doing. And friends, there's a certain sense in which all sin is really a sin of ignorance. It's not that we're blameless. It's not that we're not guilty of doing what we know we shouldn't have done. But I don't think we really understand the severity of sin. If we did, we wouldn't treat it so casually. We wouldn't treat it so flippantly. You see, we tend to measure the success of our life or our standing with God with how life is going around us, if life is going smoothly, if things are going okay. You know, if I have a job, I've got my, my, my possessions, whatever it may be, you know, the home life's not too bad. And so the Holy Spirit speaks to us about specific things, and we, we just tend to think, well, if things are going well, it's not that important. And again, that's kind of the believer or the Christian lifestyle. That's not a disciple. A disciple says, I hear you, Lord. Yes, Lord, that's what I'm going to do. But you see, what we oftentimes settle for, what we might call a, a good life or a pretty good life, if we're not giving attention and heed to the things the Holy Spirit wants to deal with in our life at the root and free us from, we have no idea how little we have settled for. We have no idea how far we have fallen from the glorious standard and, and, and opportunity and potential that God has for us. It's no small thing. And we'll only really discover that if we live that way the day that we stand before the Lord and the entire mound of our works is put to the test and we're standing in a heap of ashes. The Lord wants to spare us that, and he will, if we will learn to heed what the Lord is saying to us. And so the Lord looks at those who are mocking him. He says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And then there's a thief, as we know, a criminal on Jesus' side who turns to Jesus and says, Jesus, will you remember me when you come as king? And Jesus said to him today, you will be in paradise with me. Today you will be in paradise with me. Repentance has to do, my friends, with so much more than just being born again. Repentance is saying, Lord, I hear you talking to me. And I know that I haven't been doing what I ought to be doing. But I'm going to do it now. Please remember me. And the Lord says today, today it's going to happen. Today you're going to begin to see freedom. Today you're going to begin to come alive in those areas. Today you're going to move from just a believer to a disciple. Today you're going to begin to see the life and the joy and the power of the Holy Spirit begin to flow through you and grow and actually begin to do kingdom work around you because you're starting to give attention to those things rather than just dressing up your sin or dressing up your lifestyle like those six-foot stumps. You have an honest moment in your heart and you say, Lord, I don't want those anymore. I don't want to just you know, decorate the trappings on the outside. Lord, I want to know you. 
I give you permission, Lord, to come and to dig up the roots, to deal with the issues in my heart, to deal with that thing that I know you've been talking to me about for a long time. You see, Jesus speaks to you every day. And if you will learn to respond to him every day, he will break that cycle of unrepentance in your life. And he will empower you to begin to know, to begin to be, to begin to do what you know you ought to be and what you know you ought to do. He will begin to manifest his promises in your life for you, for your loved ones, for your finances, for your marriage, for your ministry, whatever it may be. He will begin to manifest his joy, his purposes, that fulfillment that you've longed for. But you've got to get serious and say, Lord, I don't want to play with those things anymore. I want you to come and I want you to lay the axe to the roots. I give you permission. I confess to you, Lord, what it is. And I ask you to come to dig up those roots. And Lord, throw them away. Because they don't bring anything good to my life. Pastor Kristen is going to sing this beautiful, simple song of surrender that we all know. And as it does, I'm going to ask if you would just bow your head and close your eyes. And whether you're alone or with a loved one, you may even want to take the hand of your spouse if you know there's something that the two of you ought to be doing. You could be in agreement, but whatever it is, would you just quiet your heart before the Lord and allow the Holy Spirit to show you, if you don't know already, that thing or those things that you know you ought to begin to do that create that framework for what the Lord has always intended for you. And he still wants to pick up and meet you where you are today and say, come on, let's go. Today you can begin to experience paradise. You can begin to experience a little heaven on earth if you let me get to the root of those things. So just close your eyes and just surrender those things to the Lord as Pastor Kristen leads before we close in prayer. surrender 
Jesus, I thank you this, this day that you are a giver. And Lord, truly you only take those things out of our lives that rob us of life. I thank you as your word says that you correct those whom you love. Because you don't want to have to judge us with this world that you will judge. And so Lord, at this moment this morning, we take time and we say, have your way in my heart, in my life. And that's the thing you've been speaking to me about. Lord, I surrender that to you once and for all. Come and dig that thing up, Lord. I confess it. Let your word come like a two-edged sword and dig it up, O oh God. Father, I thank you for the work that you're doing in the lives of your people and in the midst of all the stuff around us that you have a people who see opportunity and who see a mighty God at work, who see a kingdom advancing. And Lord, we want to be part of your kingdom. And we want all trace of darkness driven out of us that we may go into a world that so desperately needs light and life and hope and love and power and dispel that darkness and see many come to you. And so, Lord, as we conclude our time together this morning, I pray that your word would remain with us. And I pray that even this week we would sense a new freedom, a sense of being lighter on our feet, as it were, because of those things that we've said, Lord, just come. Cut them all down. Dig them up. Throw them away. I don't want any of those things feeding my life anymore. I want the river of your spirit to flow through me in all of its freshness and purity and joy and power. And so we give ourselves to you. You may be glorified in our lives as disciples of Jesus Christ. May you replicate your life in us, we pray. In your precious name, amen. Amen. May the Word of God abide with you, and may you be changed today from what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the GT Moncton Podcast. If you'd like to connect with us, contact info at gtmoncton.com. Follow us on social media at GT Moncton, or check out our website, gtmoncton.com. Have a great week and God bless.